Welcome to the Emerging Temple broadcast. I am Michael Obeyer. I will be your guide for the rest of this broadcast. At Emerging Temple, we seek to analyze current events within the context of God's plan for mankind, in which he intends, at the end of time, to raise up a people who will rule with him. Before I go any further, I want to encourage you to like our page, to subscribe to our channel, and if there is a notification bell icon, I would like you to hit that bell so you can be notified anytime we upload new videos. I want to encourage you to like this page so that we can develop the number of likes that we have so that we can come up in the rankings because we have a message that is critical for this hour and this time. So thank you so much for those of you who are already doing so. If you'd like to support our ministry, you can visit our website at templeoftruth.us. That's www.templeoftruth.us. Or you can go to patreon.com and look for our handle, Emerging Temple. I have one, two, six, I'll get started. Well, bef before you get, okay, go ahead, get started. Okay, because mine was the genealogy tables, one through six, and I started, it starts at Adam and it just goes all through these names and shows how they get up to Abraham and then how Abraham becomes, God says, you know, you are, you are my son. And he um, says all the promises and then how Abraham's family, and it goes on down. And then chapter three is the sons of David. And then they list a lot of the sons of David and how they started splitting them up into the descendants. It says like the descendants of Judah and, the sons of Jacona, yeah, and different people were in different areas. And it just happened that they saw a documentary that showed a lot of these places where they were and the old, old places. And, and then chapter six was um, the, um, the Levites themselves, the descendants of the Levites who were the, the priests and how the different families of the priests went on, and then the Benjaminites. But I think I've gone over into somebody else's chapter. I did. But, yeah. So that, it didn't really, you know, there really wasn't a lot of... Uh, anything, just all these lists of names and where they, where they were and how they became... <laughs> Do you remember um, in the in Michael's book, In Search of the Kingdom, when he was talking uh -huh. about the genealogies here and the genealogies in the Gospels, that um, what he said the point of the genealogies were? Mm, I don't remember. But okay, well. She showed, she showed the lineage from. Adam all the way up to Jesus was one and to show how God you know like like Adam and Solomon and, and how even David when he was going to build a temple and God said no you don't get to build a temple because you sinned and what's interesting to me is that they told they said David he um, had had wars and shed blood but Solomon had wars and shed blood too, so that didn't make much sense to me. But that's further down the road. <laughs> it's in a different chapter. So 
that, but pretty much chapters one through six was these horrendous genealogists, genealogies. But to me, I, I can remember parts of it, like David and his sons, and from Adam to Abraham, but there's no way I could remember all these people and all these names. Yeah, they just, you just got to know where to go back to them when you want to find them. Well, yeah. let, me, let me interject a, a little something here about these genealogies, that if you look at the number of generations from Adam to Abraham, and then Abraham to Jesus, and then look in the New Testament when they talk about how many generations there were, it looks like from Abraham to Jesus <clears throat> that we're missing a, an, a, um, a generation from Abraham to Jesus. But if you look over, let me see if it's in, let me find the scripture. I'm looking for the scripture where it talks. Um, okay, yes, if we look in Matthew chapter one, Mm-hmm. Um, verse 17. Can you take a look at that? Yeah, hold on. Good. You're sitting in the back. Matthew 17, chapter 1. Matthew 1, verse 17. Oh, 17. I got it backwards. Oh boy. Okay. Matthew one seventeen. Yes. Okay. Matthew one seventeen. Thus the total number of generations is from Abraham to David, fourteen generations. From David to the Babylonian captivity, fourteen generations. And from the Babylonian captivity to the Messiah, fourteen more generations. Okay, now, in the King James, let me read, um, can somebody read from the King James the same verse? I have Matthew. the new King James, not King James. Mom, can you read the King James? I got a new King James too, don't I? Let me search online one second. No, I have it in front of me, but mom, you have the King James. It's a okay. new to you. It's a big, large edition, but it's King James. Okay, and tell me where I'm going again. Chapter one of what? Matthew chapter one, verse 17. Okay, I'll be right there. Okay, Zachariah. Okay, I'm here. Matthew 1, you want verse 21? Verse 17. 17, okay. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. It seems like the 14 generations is mm. pivotal there. Yes. But the last part of it, in Liz's version, it said, from the carrying away into, into Babylon unto the Messiah are 14 generations. And I wanted to point out here that it says the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ 
are 14 generations because right. the, the birth of Jesus Christ is 13 generations. But when um, we are the Christ, we are the body of Christ, we are the 14th generations. We are the risen body of Christ. And so the, the whole point of uh, the genealogies in First uh, Chronicles 1 through 5, where they were talking about the messianic genealogies, is to show us the same genealogy that Matthew reduces to this first chapter, the first 16 verses. Okay? Okay. And to show us that Christ is that 14th generation from Babylon to Christ, okay? And the Levitical genealogies is to show us that from what we've been studying from the book of Judges on, how many high priests are there supposed to be in Israel at any given time? Do you remember? How many high priests do they have? Seems like they got more than they need. I always thought it should be one. That's but correct. They They're only supposed to be one high priest. And what lineage is the high priest supposed to come from? Christ. No, it's supposed to come Levi from Levi and Eli. Levi, yes. The, the oh, Levi, okay. Right. All of the priests are supposed to be from the lineage of Levi. And when Christ was crucified, who was the high priest? Does anybody remember? No. Mm -hmm. Abeli, do you want to Google and see who was the high priest? Yes. One second. I don't know how I forgot that. I did. Well, he had to stand be he had to go stand before the high priest. Oh yeah. Um I remember the I can Caiaphas, so Caiaphas. And what right. was Caiaphas and Levi? Uh, let no. me check. You're correct, Mom. He was not a Levite. He wasn't even legitimate. No. Is he one of the um, Romans or? He wasn't a Roman. He was, a, I think he was an Edomite. Let's see. Who was he? He said he was a Sadducee. Well, Sadducee was just the title. He was, that means that he was somebody that, there were two different groups. They were the Sadducees and they were, were the Pharisees. Okay. Yeah. And they were like two different denominations in Judaism at the time, in, yeah. in Israel at the time. Um, but he was not, um, he, Caiaphas was not even of the house of Levi. Uh, because what happened was when the Israelites were um, split off and sent into captivity in Babylon, which we'll see further on in this chapter, 
when they were carried away into before they were carried away into Babylon, when they were at the death of of Saul, when um, one of his sons wanted to set up his own kingdom, and he saw that the temple that they had was down in Jerusalem, he wanted mm -hmm. to have another place for them to worship. So he set up the lowest of priests, the lowest of, of um, the lowest of low people to become the priest in Israel. Remember that? And mm -hmm. they were in Samaria on the high places. So he broke with the Levitical order back then. But um, Jesus, who is our high priest now? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus was not of the lineage of the Levites either, was he? No. And um, can anybody, does anybody remember that when we talked about when you have... Um, when you have a change in uh when you have a change in uh administration <laughs> well it wasn't administration i'm trying to think of what the word was that the bible used that that you have to have comes it comes with a change in in law and a change in leadership that jesus did a lot of things that changed that changed things around um Somebody help me out here. We've been talking about these things for so a while. So Jesus was from the order of Melchizedek, isn't he? That was his... Um... Well, his lineage is... He's from the line of David. If you look in chapters... Um, the Chronicles, yes. Judah. Chapters 1 through 6, he's, from, he's mm. from the house of David. Yes. On the line of David. That's where he came from. Yes. Um, which was a kingly order. Uh, that's, yes. you know, that's why he says it's the king of kings and lord of lords, that right. he comes from that kingly line. He is our yeah. king. Yes. But, but he's not from the order of the um, Levites. He's not from the priestly order, but he's our high priest. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah, you're right. So I'm still trying to find um, Caiaphas, what um, lineage he is and... And it's um, it's just taking me to the story about you know the um, Romans and you know how someone else was a governor Vitellius, um, Roman emperors, and it's not really giving me exactly how he became um, his lineage. Okay, well, look and see who was the king in Israel at the time of Christ. That was Herod. That was Herod, wasn't it? Yes, it was yeah. Herod. And mm -hmm. what was his lineage? He was Herod. Herod was a Roman. A Roman, yeah. No, he was not a home. He was not a, a Roman. Hang on. I thought he was the. Emperor or something, wasn't he? Was he Judah? He was an Edomite. He was an Edomite. Edomite, yes. So it says here, Caiaphas was one of the five men to serve as high priests who were either sons 
of sons or sons-in-law of Annas, son of Seth. And I know that Seth was, was a high priest um, when the Romans had previously deposed him. That's what it says here. And in the lineage, Seth was mentioned here as a son of um, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There was, there was just the lineage was just so long that I, at some point I was trying to link them up and I just gave up at some point linking, you know, Licking these lineages. Didn't I, know we were going to have a test. <laughs> Licking, <laughs> the link was just so long. I started to get confused at some point and I just gave up. Well, at, when Jesus um, was tried, he was mm -hmm. taken to Annas first. Remember? Yes. And then Anna sent him to Caiaphas. So those were the two, the two there were two high priests in um, Israel at the time, but neither one of them were legitimate because they didn't come from the lineage of, of Levi. And we no. know why. If we look back at, at first and second Kings, which we just finished studying, we find yeah. out that the priests that were put in place in Israel were not from the lines of Levi they were the lowest of low people yes right so they had no legitimate right to be to be um priests Please. in israel but they were priests in israel that the the priest in judah were still of the line of of uh, levi but mm. not in samaria which was israel right okay so that's kind of the point of, to me, that's kind of the point of First Chronicles chapters one through six is to show us how far the um, Israel had strayed from the, the word of God and what they were supposed to be doing. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And Michael was supposed to be doing um, chapters seven through what number he's probably hiding somewhere listening he probably is he's probably this is a test for me <laughs> it, it's a pop quiz because i found out maybe about 20 minutes before the call that he may not make it to the call so i really didn't have time to go research all these other scriptures but I'll come, it'll come back to me, the scripture that I have in mind. Okay, because it's very important. Let's see. Um, yeah, Michael is looking at chapters 7 through 12. Yes. So anybody, please chime in and, and help me so I don't drown here. Uh, okay, when we get to chapter 9, okay, chapter 9 basically is the end of the the genealogies we finished all of the the genealogies mm -hmm. of both the the priestly side and the the um kingly side and we find that at the time of jesus that the king in israel was not from david's line and the priest in the temple was not from the levite line 
So can we all agree that that's, that's significant? Yes. 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 Okay. Um, I have a soft copy of Michael's book on my phone, but I'm using the phone for the Zoom call. So I can't look and see what the number 14 was uh, signif signified. Does anybody remember the significance of 14? I know 13 was rebellion. Four, no, no, 14, the number 14. Chapter, chapter 14. No, not chapter 14, the number 14. Oh. Was, that, was that completion? No, completion was, was seven, wasn't it? No, seven was perfection, three was completion. Um, 14, I don't remember. Well, we'll put a pen in that, okay? And uh, maybe I'll look at look it up while someone else is teaching their section. Okay, so. Okay, let's see. I feel worthless. I read it and then I don't recall. <laughs> yeah, I'm like that too. And I cheated this time. I found out I could have it read to me since I can't see. I'm going to the eye doctor tomorrow. Yes. And it affects you. Okay, so now in chapter nine, that um, they're talking about breaking up the tribes into who's going to be, have oversight of the gates of the house of the Lord. And, um, and they, set, they split it into four quarters. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed at how they had all this stuff planned. Yeah, the, writing down all the names of all yeah. the generations and the scribes had a big job. The number of children for each person. I yes. often wondered what happened to the poor women having all these kids. <laughs> It must have been stronger than we are today. No hospitals. I'm sure well, they were stronger. <laughs> there are some, some of them, some people were having 10 children um, and they didn't have hospitals. Um, the, 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 well, there's people always say things like, like the Hebrew women. I still don't know what that means. Having, having a child like the Hebrew women, you know, well, that's a very common phrase. That's because if you remember the um, the story of Moses mm -hmm. and that when they wanted to kill off the male firstborn children of the Hebrews, that mm -hmm. they told the midwives not to give the Hebrew women stools, birthing stools, so that they would have to struggle to give birth just standing, standing to give birth. Wow. You know how like now they on their own squatting that they would have to stand and squat to give birth everybody yeah. else had like a, a, a 
a chair or a stool to squat on to give birth. Like we have um, hospital beds with the folding, you know, backs of the hospital beds, but they were had, they were left to stand on their feet and squat to give birth. Like an animal. Like an animal with the um, midwives not allowed to help them. That's why they say, that's where the expression comes from. Wow. Okay. Uh, this generation, that's kind of hard. <laughs> yes. We've been spoiled. Yes. Okay. So, okay, I'm not sure. Uh, um, we look at chapter 9, First Chronicles chapter 9, verse 21. Mm-hmm. It says, And Zechariah the son of Meshelmiah was porter of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Um, does anybody know what that means to be the porter of the door of the tabernacle? I guess that what persons lets who in that they should be in, or you know, yeah. it was it was like having a a, yeah. a a male usher at the doors of churches now for protection. Yeah, because, yeah and yeah. I find in the city, I wonder whether or not they've got Uzis underneath their um, under, <laughs> underneath their uh, suit jacket. Well, where we go to church, the male at the door is armed. And I've seen some of the women down in the D.C. area, at the black churches that they have at the door. They look like they're just... They're probably armed, too. (laughs) Especially when it's time for the offering. Mm -hmm. We live in different times now. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we do. So, uh, yeah, so I just look at the chapter nine and I'm just seeing it's just a, a continuation of talking about the the Levites and who did what and the responsibilities assigned well, like to them. Well, like I said, mm, I'm saying that um, the reason why I'm, I'm focusing right this minute on verse 21 where they talked about the porter at the door of the tabernacle was the first choice gate the first chore that they gave out was they assigned who was going to have oversight of the gates of the house of the lord the uh, the house of the tabernacle and they had four gates the east gate the west gate the north gate and the south gate so i was just asking us to look into that a little bit more well so my bible my new King James, it actually does say was the keeper of the door. So you're right, what, what mom said was right about the porter. I mean, someone that lets people in because he says here on New King James, he says was the keeper of the door of the tabernacle of meeting. That's the way he phrased it. Okay, so what is the significance of that? What is, why do we care mm-hmm. about the assignment of who was keeping, what were they trying to keep? Who they, who were they trying to keep out? Who were they trying to let in? And what, because if, okay, mm-hmm. where is God's tabernacle today? Us, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So if we are the- um, The keepers, I guess. If we're the keepers of the of the tabernacle, and mm-hmm. we have the four gates, the north, east, south, and west, what are those four gates? 
Well, I guess it would be uh, things like our mind, our uh, will, um, our desires, desires, yeah. How about our mouth, our emotions? Emotions, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, if you guard those four things, you will guard your mouth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so that kind of, you know, gets back to our early earlier discussion that we have quite a few challenges that each of us has to go through. And some of those challenges are pretty scary, but yeah. those challenges um, really test our emotion, our will, our desire and our mind. And so here that um, they split up the, uh, the strong men who was going to give guard over them. But we don't have strong men within us, but we do have ourselves that each of us, we're a tabernacle within ourselves, but we're not by ourselves. So when we find that our gates are being attacked, that we do have to reach out to each other and ask for help in shoring up those gates. Yeah. Amen. That's what we did this morning, first thing. Yes. 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 Amen. Amen. So that, that's what I was looking at in um, the first part. The first thing that they split up was the gates. And then mm -hmm. the second thing in chapter nine that they, um, they looked over, they set up, okay, like you said, mom, that uh, the porters were over the chambers and treasuries of the house of God. And they lodged round about, I'm looking starting at verse 26. Can you read mom from, well, maybe your eyes won't let you. Yeah, but, I can, I got a good light on. Okay, can you read from verse 26? Um, 26 through 26 and 27? Yes. 26. For these Levites, the four chief porters, were in their set office and were over the chambers and treasuries of the house of God. And they lodged round about the house of God because the charge was upon them and the opening thereof every morning pertaineth to them. Okay, so um, what do you think the chambers were? Well, where, where the leadership uh, resided, uh, or presided, uh, that would be a, a chamber where the people gathered would be a chamber. Uh, we had the Holy of Holies and, you know, all of these different ritualistic things that they did with that. They wouldn't want people running in and out of those. So I imagine somebody was watching those. Okay. And so when they said that they, um, they guarded the opening thereof every morning. So how does that, what are we opening every morning that needs to be guarded? We start our day with prayer. Yeah, so when we wake up in the morning, our, is that our, our mind? Hmm? Our mind? Our yes. mind, yes. 
our mind, our emotions, our desires, our mm-hmm. will, all of that every morning. Like it says that there's new mercies every morning that if we find ourselves in the morning, not able to wake and um, see them, that means that our gates were attacked in the night while we were sleeping. So, and then the next thing was the vessels that they appointed them to oversee the vessels. Um, Belly, maybe you can read in your version there, um, 28 through to 29. Yeah. Now, some of them were in charge of the seven vessels, for they brought them in and took them out by count. Some of them were appointed over the furnishings and over all the implements of the sanctuary and over the fine flour and the wine and the oil and the incense and the spices. And some of the sons of the priests were... Some of the sons of the priests made the ointments of spices. Go ahead. Yeah. Mati. You want to read 30? Yes, read 30 also. Yeah. I've, read, I've just read that that's the answer. Some of the sons of the priests made the ointment of spices. Okay. So now, do you see anything in there in 28, 29, and 30? I don't want to put you on the spot. Anybody see anything in there? What does that mean to you? I saw the the um, incense, you know, and the and we know what the burning of the incense is for cleansing us our sins. Well, I see the duties of of the priests and the leadership, and and then when you apply that to yourself, uh, that means that that old song that I heard when I was a child, I woke up this morning and my right mind stayed on Jesus. Uh, We have to have something that helps us get through that and be ready. Because those those things have a letdown in them. It's an opportunity for the enemy to come and try to take your soul. Yeah, and see that to me when I'm looking at verse 29, and it says they they were over all of the instruments of the sanctuary and the fine flour and the wine and the oil and the frankincense. The fine flour, the wine, and the oil, those are the those are the things that you put in your body to nourish your body. And um, do you remember what the, what oil symbolizes in the Bible? You say the oil? Yes. Well, the only thing that comes to mind is refining oil. So, I guess I should have called you and said, "Mom, open up the open up Michael's book because there's tables in there." But the the oil uh, represents the Holy Spirit. You know that song. Give me oil. I almost, I almost said that. Yes. So these are the things that these are the things that we are feeding ourselves with that, you know, like they said, the old saying garbage in garbage out. Yes. That, that yes. we have, like you said, Liz, that um, you were feeding yourselves with Psalms and Proverbs and, you know, just trying to to bring every everything positive. Um, all of the blessings and promises and bring those to mind 
that we have to nourish ourselves on the word of God. That's fortify too. Fortify, yes. Yes, fortify. And then you had the showbread and the singers that in those days that uh, the singers went into battle to give people courage and to terrify the enemy by how much, you know, how, show how much um, confidence that the troops had because the, the singers went into battle, the flag wavers and the, the standard bearers, which are the, you know, the people carrying the flag and the people, um, the singing, that that would show the confidence of the truths and inspire confidence in the truths and in the, the people. So once again, it's still about fortification to me. So that's why when, when you ask me a question, a song always comes to mind, which are actually scriptural. Yeah, because that's your fortification. That is how you're fortifying yourself. Never thought of it that way, but that's what comes up. Yes. Okay. Um, and then uh, chapter 10 is just about the, uh, the battle between the Philistines and Saul. Mm -hmm. And the death of Saul. And then chapter 11, uh, we kind of talked about that battle of Saul's battle. Uh, 11 was about David being made the king all over Israel. Okay, now did you notice here that when they went from chapter 10 to chapter 11, they skipped mm -hmm. the part about how David had to overcome um, you know, a couple of different kings before he ended up being acknowledged as king over all Israel. Yeah, yeah, they summarized so much. Um, so that, it was very important to read Kings before reading Chronicles because, right. because yeah, there's a lot of missing portions. It's almost like a, a summary of, you know, they just take two lines from Kings and just summarize. So you have to understand the details when you read Kings. Well, I think, I think you're right, but I think the what, um, what the purpose in First Chronicles, it's first yeah. okay, first and second Kings, uh, focused on the kings in Israel and just kind of gave um, lip service to the kings in Judah. They just kind of mentioned them. Then you go into mm -hmm. First and Second Chronicles. The emphasis is on the kings in Judah, with mm. just a, a nod to the kings in Israel. Because what First Chronicles is trying to show is the lineage from David as the the greatest king it, that Israel ever had. So we won't see in Chronicles much about David's. Um, errors and faults is so that we're going to be seeing David as all of his in all of his greatness and mm. de-emphasizing his faults his faults yes because yes. everybody has faults all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God except for mm -hmm. Jesus himself you know but yes. um, so that's why they skipped over all those other things 
But like yeah. you said, we have to know about those other things so we can see that even somebody as great as David, that mm. he had faults, but what made him different was the fact that when he was caught in something he wasn't supposed to be doing, he repented and um, was truly sorry and returned to God. And yes. David, the difference between David and us is David did not have the, um, the persistent presence of the Holy Spirit to guide him and to direct him and help him. So, okay. Something that I learned uh, while I was studying this week that Chronicles wasn't split in the very beginning in first and second, it was all one big book. And the reason it got split is there wasn't room on the papyrus to write it without yes. split. That was the same thing as with first and second Kings. It was just Kings. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. It's nice to know that. Yes. Well, you wonder why they got the first and the second if you're nosy like me. <laughs> you go looking for it. Then in chapter 12, talks about all of the great, the mighty men of war that were in David's army. Seems like that was very important to be a, a, a mighty man of war and, and have all this valor. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we're not like that totally today as individuals. Well, I, I think for us today that what it is, okay. I just got a, a text message from Sister Gwendolyn that the man that had been in um, on the respirator and in a coma for months, well, for almost eight weeks, died at 4.33 this morning. Oh. But, but his wife, um, you know how with COVID here in the U.S., nobody's allowed to go into the hospital. They're not allowed to be there with their loved ones that she had somehow been able to convince the powers that be to allow her to be at her husband's bedside this whole time. Wow. She's been at his bedside since um, the second week of October. And um, so she was convinced that God was going to pull through for her husband and make yeah. him well. So, you know, just like these mighty men of war, that we have to be mighty in our battle and mighty in our faith yeah, that, that um, we cannot be easily moved. We have to be deeply rooted and anchored in our faith. I'm trying to think Somebody of what is more. I'm sorry, Kay. We have to be deeply rooted in our faith. I don't know if anybody knows that scripture in the New Testament, grounded and rooted. If I, I know the words, I'll have to look them up, see if I can find them. Grounded and rooted in? In faith. It's Colossians 2, verse 7. How did you come up with that so fast? Google. <laughs> <laughs> I just Very know grounded and rooted in faith. Um, some people say that my Samsung phones that I have 
have a faster Google on them than the iPhones. But, um, you know, mm. we can't dig about, uh, about that. You know, let's see. Of course, okay, I got the same kind of phone, but I don't know anything about it. I have my nerve buying that thing. Don't even know how to use it. Okay. Um, uh, let me read Colossians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Amen? Amen. Amen. For, I, for though I be absent in flesh, Yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And let me just go on to um, verse eight and nine. Amen. Amen. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And verse 10, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Yeah. So to me, the whole point of chapter 12 is to show just like they had the mighty men of war, that they were all armed with the bows and arrows and they had um, hurling stones and shooting arrows out of the bow and all of these different faculties that they had. These things are all symbolic of um, these are. I mean, they're talking, yeah, it's literally at that time they were armed that way, but each one of these things has a spiritual meaning. And the main thing is that to be rooted and grounded in Christ. Mm. And because we have to be strengthened and ready for battle, that we have to be ready to battle against the forces that are attacking our four gates. And those forces are the, um, I mean, those gates are our mind, our emotion, our desires, and our will. And some of those enemies are giants. Yes, Lord. I think you could attest to that, Liz, that some of them are giants. And some of them seem like that they're going to, they're going to overwhelm us. But just like in the Old Testament, when um, Moses was there with the people and they, they were getting overrun by their enemies, that um, Aaron and his brother had to hold his arms up, one holding one arm up and one the other one holding the other arm up. And as long as his arms were raised, they were able to overcome their enemies. And when his arms fell down, their enemies overcame them. Do you remember that? I do remember reading that. Yes. So likewise, we just need to be like the mighty men of war to be able to protect our gates and to be able to battle on behalf of our brethren that um, and be able to strengthen each other so that we are not overcome by the enemy. 
okay. that um, that you know whether that be through prayer or whatever. Because in in First Chronicles twelve, oh, wow. verse thirty six, I like what that said. Can you read that, um, um, Abele, in your version? First Chronicles twelve, verse thirty six. Um, thirty-six of Asher, those who could go out to war, able to keep battle formation, forty thousand. Okay, all right. Yours doesn't say it quite as plainly as mine. Listen to mine. This is the King James version. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. And of, and of Asher, such as went forth to battle expert in war 40,000 they were experts hmm. that we have to keep studying until we become experts. experts and we'll never become experts so that just means we have to keep studying we yeah. have to keep Maybe. studying yeah. and the and you know how do you become an expert in battle anybody Doing what we're doing now, studying the word together, um, mm -hmm. you you get more emphasis on the things that you thought you knew when you when you're with a group of like-minded people. You can read it by yourself, but you'd have to have two or three commentaries, and then who do you trust? Okay, now what about your okay? If we went through life and we all lived in La La Land. And we never had to experience any challenges and we never had any battles that we personally had to fight. Would we become experts at war? No, we'd stay children. So how do we become an expert at war? Being an overcomer. We have to be, we have to fight some battles. We have to get bloody. Our knees have to get bloody. That yeah. we can't we can't become yeah. an expert without sitting through the battle. And Liz, as I'm sitting here talking to you now, I'm looking at the ceiling and where a chandelier was stored, torn out of my ceiling and it was torn out of my ceiling and stolen. And even though I'm looking at the chandelier that replaces it, now the next problem is how to get that, um, that ceiling re-anchored so it can hold the chandelier again. So we, we have to face some of these things. We just have to face it. It's not pleasant. It's not fun. And we can't do it alone. But the more battles that we, more challenges that we overcome, the stronger that we become to the point where we become experts. Where we've seen so many battles and so many challenges that we say to the devil, is that the best you can do? <laughs> You thought that was going to work because until he finally gives up and says, you know what, I better find somebody else to go pastor because I have terrorized this saint enough. Mm. The other thing is, too, if we're never tested, we don't know how much more we need to learn in order to be able to combat the foe. Yes, because every day there's something that we have to get accomplished that non-believers and people, some that believe, throw at you just to see what you're made of. Yes. So in chapter 13, um, 
David goes consults with all of his um, his armed men, and he says, "You know what? We don't have the Ark of the Lord. Let's go and let's go and bring the Ark of the Lord into um, into back into um, our camp. Let's go bring the the Ark of the Lord back into Israel." Because it's been gone since the time of Saul. And maybe it's about time that we call upon the Lord and not try to do everything in our own strength. Well. <laughs> in 13, they, they didn't have it all. Yeah, because finally they realized that, you know what? It doesn't matter how many strong men that you have and how much wisdom that you have. If you don't have God, what do you have? Yeah, nothing. 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 And I mean, I don't think they they even remembered they weren't supposed to touch that ark. No, they'd been they'd been um so they'd gone so far against God that they didn't remember what his rules were. So he had to make an example and say, wait, I have rules. They might have been of men of valor, but they didn't have any common sense. <laughs> they forgot that one of the tenants. Yes. And um, so I'm just going to skip over because we already talked last week about how the Ark of the, the Ark of God, when they brought it back to Obed, Obed, hmm, Obed Adam's house, that um, his house was blessed. Now, in chapter 14 that need to uh, see if, if we can get that to be over to Liz's house for a while well <laughs> the, the ark of the covenant is in Liz's house well but she does she's got to know that yes that um and we're gonna after this we'll pray with Liz once we finish our study we'll pray with her to raise her up okay amen amen okay um, so let's look at, in chapter 14, what we see is that um, some of the kings sent gifts to David when they saw that, that um, he was going to build a house in Israel. And mm -hmm. some of the other kings decided, oh, that David was appointed king over all Israel. Remember Goliath, who was a Philistine that David had killed with the slingshot yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. and stones yes the children of goliath and his brothers that they all carried a grudge against him so um so like in chapter 14 it says now in verse one it says now hiram king of tyre sent messengers to david and timbers of cedar with masons and carpenters to build him a house but then it says in um in verse 8 and 9, it says, And when the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over all Israels, all the Philistines went up to seek David. And David heard of it and went out against them. And the Philistines mm -hmm. came and spread themselves in the valley of Raphaim. So, I mean, that's kind of what happens to us today. There may have been somebody, somebody that we crossed a long, long time ago. That or they thought you did. Or they thought we did. 
that is still plotting against us to this very day. And um, in the case of the church, that, um, that uh, you know, the, the, um, the devil doesn't like it. He knows he loses in the end. So he's going to keep camping against us. Um, in the New Testament, it says that they'll terrorize the saints. You remember that? Yes. I remember reading it. Shall we take a look at that? Sure. Where do we need to go? I think that's in Revelations. Hang on. No S. Do you any good if you don't know where you're looking? Starts off with the letters to the churches. And the seals. So, what are you doing? Googling a word? Yes. Revelation yes. 20, verse 9. I don't know if it's 20 verse 9 or 13 verse 7. Let me look and see. Uh, 20 verse 9 talks about when the fire from heaven came down and devoured them. Okay, no, it's uh, chapter 13 verse 7. Okay. It was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Is that what you wanted? Yes, but let's, can you start back at verse five? Yes. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to co continue 40 and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and then and them that dwell in the heavens. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And I ended at seven. Yes. Did that, so answer, hmm? did that answer what, what we were? Yeah, ask Liz. <laughs> Hello, Liz. Yeah, <clears throat> does that answer what? Does that help with what you were dealing with? Well, I, I think, you know, the, the thing that helps you, to me is that we all need to just keep in power and of prayer and to just remind ourselves and remind other people that each of us has a duty to do these things that that um 
I, I think to me, the beast is within each of us. And when we put the parts together, it can get pretty bad. Well, also, uh, what that says to me is our small group of people on the Bible study, we need to be able to reach out and, and to share when, when we need another dip of information and the Holy Spirit. Uh, because when we're going through things, the enemy of our own souls make our minds go blank. We don't remember how powerful we are, and those scriptures just don't come right to the front immediately to soothe us. Right. And I, I think, too, that, you know, that power of the Spirit is what keeps you just from going, you know, um, just going over next door with a shotgun and going, you know what, I'm tired of this. You're threatening my son. You're threatening our neighborhood, and I'm done with you. So I'm a warrior today. I mean, you know, I I don't believe in that. And I, but you know, I think this part here, where it says we have to protect ourselves from, you know, those thoughts and those. You have to remember the fact that. And when at the same time, you know, it's like and became a lawyer. That was God's gift as well. So it has its place. And you know, um, like I just think that you, it gives you time to pray and to decide what can what can we do and and like we said, bring the power of God into situations, and then we just walk away. And we just have to trust God in in our safety and the safety of the people we love. Well, one of the things that's missing in my life, my music player is gone and I still have tapes. And I tell you, when I had that music going all the time, nothing touched me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and now I'm, I'm just here and it's me and my thoughts, and, and that void needs to be filled, but I haven't gotten out to do anything about it. Well, I think when your eyes get better, it'll be easier for you, because um, today, that every song that they have is available. You can find it on YouTube or um, different places and still be able to listen to it with or without a tape player, you know? Yeah, that's why you don't see much of that in the stores these days. Yes. You got to get with the new technology. And of course, I haven't gotten on board like I should. Mm -hmm. Now, in chapter 15, David, First um, Chronicles chapter 15, it says that um, David, he not only built houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the Ark of God, but he also reminded the people that none of them should carry the Ark of God but the Levites, because that's who, that's who God chose to carry the Ark yeah. and minister unto him. So he, he, it seemed to me that he was kind of reminding the people of what their obligations were to God in chapter 15. Mm -hmm. Now God gave us all jobs. Yes. And he didn't give us all the same job, like you said, with um, 
you know, different ones. Each one of us here on the call has different gifts that God has given us and mm -hmm. um, that we're supposed to use the gifts that he's given us. And we're beginning to learn what each other's gifts are just through conversation and, and our study. Yes. Yes, and I, I think um, you know the part part of chapter fifteen where his wife gets angry when she sees him out there dancing around in, and he's <laughs> dancing around in joy, but all she sees is that he's dancing around, you know, um, showing his legs to everyone dancing around because she says something about dancing around with your skirts flapping or something. And she, well, back in she, Kings, she didn't like it because he was showing his underwear. Yeah. yeah and the, and the and, housemaids were watching. Yes. <laughs> but so he, he was but showing a little too much. But I think it's um, there's a lot there's a lot of things each of us can think about in those in those words. Excuse me. Carry on. Go ahead, Liz. Oh, I just think there's there's a lot to be thought of in those words as um you know, sometimes we forget to think about the person like she doesn't see just how joyful and how grateful he is and say, Oh, that idiot and he does not see that, um, you know, he might be embarrassing his family, and particularly his wife, and calm it down just a little bit. Yes. And, and I think, you know, that's something that, um, you know, we're all so guilty of, especially in these times, is, you know, what do I want? What do I think? What's best for me? And rather than who am I responsible to and what do I what what does it have to do with them and maybe just um like I said maybe he could have calmed it down a bit and she also could have just looked at her husband and said oh I I feel his joy and his excitement but I'm still going to tell him you know don't be dancing around your underwear showing. <laughs> yes. But I'm, you know, because it says she despised him in her heart. And, you know, I don't think she really had to despise him in her heart because of what he did, but he could well, have been more jealous. She, well, she was jealous and also she had a bad taste in his mouth because um, when he had gone into um, hiding and fled from Saul, she had remarried. And then when he became king, um, he says, wait, that's my first wife. You guys go and get my first wife. So she's like, okay, so right. you took me from my happy life and brought me back here to live with you. And now here you are dancing the jig and uh, you know <laughs> in front of all Israel and I'm absolutely miserable so she was she, well 
you know, and and again, I think you know, um, you know, I'm thinking immediately of the Mandelas when he was put in prison. She stayed by his side through all those years, and even though he told her, he, I mean, they must have talked because he knew she had a boyfriend, and he said that's fine and everything. But when he came out of jail, out of prison, she stayed by his side, and then eventually they did divorce. But um, she felt that as a wife, she she shouldn't kick him while he's down and leave him while he's in prison. But he also felt that his own actions caused them to be separated like that, and it wasn't okay for him to just expect her to maybe be by herself forever because he didn't know. And I think all of us need to think about more things than just my little thing. Because, you know, David... He could have gone and asked her, how's your life going now now that you left? Or when he left, he could have said something. I'm leaving and, you know, go home and be safe at your father's house and have some have a life for yourself because they might not ever return. You never know. But to me, it doesn't matter what the thing is. The matter to me is that we all should be more considerate of each other instead of just going off doing our own thing. And then, you know, and like we said, then she's mad. But. She isn't just mad about him dancing around, like Kay pointed out. She's mad about other things. Yeah, and his, her being mad about about his being overzealously joyful, that was just the last <laughs> straw for him. <laughs> it was like, yeah. okay, I can see you being mad about other things, but you know what? The Ark of God, we just brought God, we just acknowledged God is the God of Israel. And brought him back in. That's something that everybody should be joyous about. And if you can't see any joy in that, then you don't belong in my bed. That's basically what he, the way he dealt with her. Yeah. So, okay. Then chapter 16. Um, chapter 16 has a lot of things. It's funny because there's a lot of the things that we talked about as we talked about the first 15 chapters and how we should deal with all of those challenges that um, if you look at um, verse from verse 7 chapter 16 verse 7 through um, through 36 that um, I don't know if anybody wants to read that or we may not have time. I don't think we have time to read all that. We don't have time to read all of that. No. But if you, look, if you look at all of that, that he talks about giving thanks to the Lord, singing unto him, seeking the Lord, remembering his marvelous works, um, mm -hmm. all of those different things. Those are all the things that we need to do when we are in the midst of a battle. And then uh, chapter 17 uh, that Nathan the prophet talks to David, sits and visits David. And um, in this particular place that um, Nathan is encouraging David um, and he tells David that God told him, you're not gonna be able to build my house because um, you know, you've got blood on your hands. And last week you talked about about um, a little bit about this 
conversation between David and Nathan is just repeated here. Yeah. And, um, chapter 18. Uh, let's see. It's his victories and the officials that he assigned to you know, take different areas of doing things. But what's funny is if you look at chapter 18, verse 13, Liz, do you want to read that in your version? Chapter 18, he verse set, 18. He set up garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites became David's subjects. Thus the Lord made David victorious in all his campaigns. Okay, so the Edomites became David's servants. Okay, that's what it says in the King James, or like you said, his subjects. But then yeah. you see over um, at the time of Christ, the king of Israel, King Herod, he's an Edomite. <laughs> he's not supposed to be a king. He's supposed to be a servant to the king. That's the ironic. Is out. Mm -hmm. I don't you know if anybody else sees that as, as strange. Yes, I did. What's he doing oh. up there ruling? Mm-hmm. Mm I think, Abeli, we're on to you now. Don't you have 19? 19 to 24, yeah. Um, so uh, I remember when we read things about the battle between Israel and the Ammonites. So here, chapter 19 just uh, summarizes that and just uh, talks about how the king of the Ammon died people of Ammon died and David sent um, emissaries just to condole with his son. And um, the advisors of his son told his son that, you know, how could he trust the people that David sent down that maybe they came here to, you know, sneak into him, to the kingdom and I guess overthrow him. And um, the next thing, they just um, captured those people that David sent and cut off their clothes. So I think it, um, it cut off, uh, let me just exactly quote how it's written here. It says that, therefore Hanan took David's servants, shaved them and cut off their garments in the middle at their buttocks and send them away. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you must imagine someone died you know, and you, people come to condole with you. And yeah, it was a, it was, it was a really uh, barbaric time those days, I guess. Um, so well, that angered David and um, this was when David then sent um his men down there to fight the war. And I think Joab was his uh, commander. Yeah. yeah. So he sent Joab and his um and the men into battle against against the uh the Syrians and also against the Ammonites um, as a retaliation. So that was chapter 19. And then mm -hmm. in 20 he talked about he talked about um 
again, that, that, that carried on to talk about the war. That That's the, the battle that David sent Joab, his commander, and the, and the soldiers, and how Rabbah was conquered. And so 21, after that battle, that the, the return, Philistine was, re, was destroyed. Um, yeah, because in chapter 20, the... Um, the um, the brother, Goliath's brother, decided yes. to go to war against David. Yes. And they were and he they were destroyed. Mm-hmm. Still holding a grudge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes, they were. Um, so for uh, chapter 21 was the census. So uh, this part I didn't understand because David wanted to count the number of people in Israel and also in Judah. Okay, he wasn't counting the people. He was counting the strong men. How many men? He wasn't counting the women and children. He was just, he was just trying to see how strong he was. Remember, well, Saul got in trouble with God yeah. because he thought that he could, he could um, go forward into battle without God. And the the reason why God got angry with David was by David's act of wanting to count how many strong men he had in his army mm. that he was looking to see, well, is he strong enough to conquer all of his enemies? That's why Joab told him, don't do this. Don't mm. do this because God would, um, the, the, can't God just create more, you know, you know increase mm. the number of soldiers if he mm. wants them? Why are you trying to do this? Yes. Right. So that's why God was angry and and um, and then sent the angel to destroy Israel because of that action. Yes. But then um well he angel, gave he gave David a choice, remember? Yes, three choices. So to choose uh whether they would go let me just quote exactly the way it's written here. Uh, it says, "What verse you on?" Uh, so I'm looking for the verse. I think it's verse verse eleven. Verse eleven. So God came to David and said to him, "Thus says the Lord: Choose for yourself either three years of famine or three months to be defeated by your foes with the sword of your enemies overtaking you, or else for three days the sword of the Lord, the plague." the plague in the land with the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. Now consider what answer I should take back to him who sent me. So he was given three choices. Uh, The first was a choice to have a famine um, all through the land for three months or to be defeated by his enemies in a war. And then the third was um, for God to destroy the territory of Israel. And David, um, I think he chose a third option. And Says why on, did he choose the third option? Yes, because of pride. He wouldn't want to be destroyed by his enemies. No, look at verse 13. It tells why. It says, and David said to God, I am in great distress. Please let me fall into the hand of the Lord. For his mercies are very great, but do not let me fall into the hand of man. Yeah. So he said, because his choice was, 
that three days, let God destroy them for three days or let them go to war or let them have three years of famine. He figured three days destruction by God, that God would be merciful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and eventually God was merciful because when the angel wanted to destroy Israel um, completely, um, I think God stayed the punishment. Yes. And he didn't carry it out to, um, to the end. He didn't completely destroy Israel. And David said, destroy me instead. Well, I, um, punish me instead because it wasn't the people that erred. It was me. Do not take the anger on the people, but let me bear the consequences of my actions. So, so, so that was um, that was that chapter twenty one, mm-hmm. and um, chapter twenty two. Um, so David prepares to build the temple, um, but then God said that. He couldn't because, in, you know, he hadn't had a peaceful reign. There's been so, so much wars and um, that, you know, he rather um, Solomon will rule during the time of peace and that Solomon should be the one to build his house and not David. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, this is where I didn't understand. If God didn't want him to count in, in the previous chapter that we've just read, eventually I noticed that after this, he, be, he, he was almost given authorization by God to do a lot of counting and, and then begin to divide the, you know, the Levites, the priests, and you could see that there was some kind of census going on after this. So was it that he was then given authorization by God to do that or was no, he given? No, it was in the previous, okay, in the book where he was counting, he yes. was counting how many soldiers he had, how many yes. warriors he had. But now in chapter 23, he's counting yeah. the Levites. What were the, who were the Levites? The, yeah, so the, the priests. The priests. Um, and he was yeah. counting the porters. How many ushers does he have, you know? Yeah, so those- he's in chapter 23, He's yeah. counting how many people does he have in service to the temple. All right. Before okay. he was counting how many men of war did he have. <laughs> okay. You see right. the difference? Yeah, that makes sense. And that's what we do as human beings, isn't it? We spend time counting, trying to, <laughs> to see how, how powerful, you know, power intoxicates, intoxicates, see people trying to see, oh, I'm greater than you, I have more men than you, I have more money than you, you know, giving glory to worldly things, um, or I have more nuclear weapons than you do, more soldiers, I've got one million soldiers, you've got 500,000, so I, I guess that's probably the message here. Yes. You know, we should rather dedicate to dedicate our time to counting people that will serve, you know, that will be of service to God, as opposed to people that will be used for, for destruction of others. You know, to see giving ourselves the, the glory and and the and the power and elevating ourselves above God. Yeah, and if you take it 
even more personal. Mm. What do you have within, what does each of us have within ourselves to serve God? Mm. What do we yeah. have? What, what gifts do we have? What yeah. abilities do we have to serve God? Yes. How can we be priests to God? How yes. can we be ushers in the house of the Lord? How can mm. we be singers in the house of the Lord? Mm. And how what is our time? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good message. Yeah, so I think that's it. Um, 23 just really ends with, um, you know, David, you know, allocating tasks and roles for the Levites and the priests in in the temple in the tabernacle um and he was given some sort of uh again talked about the genealogy as well of, of some of the levites and the priests okay uh, yeah that's it for for chapter 24. okay um Mom, did you want to talk about 25 through through 30? If not, um, then somebody else can talk about it. No, I've got it all marked up where I read it, but I would have to read it to remember why I marked it. Uh, I mean, I can give a summary. Um, I don't know if I remember everything, but I, I think it just continues up after he's um, after allocating tasks and roles to the Levites and priests. He did the same for the musicians. In fact, I think it was basically people with different talents. He gave different roles. Um, almost like the king, the, um, there's some sort of like um, having an organized society in place as opposed to what was existing before. Um, well, mom, what did you have marked in like chapter 25? Uh, I was, uh, the first thing I had was where uh, David and the captains of the hosts were separating the service, services of the sons. Uh, and, and I don't really know why I had that, but uh, the uh, further in that, the number 12, I, I marked it in the margins uh, that they were talking about, you know, how many sons, you know, the, the 12 just seemed to run through from Verse nine through, ooh, all the way the twenty nine, all the way to the end, mm -hmm. and, and I'm just wondering, did they have a contest? You know, they all had to, you know, his sons and the brethren were twelve. Everything was twelve. Well, I think mm -hmm. because if you look back in, in chapter twenty four, um, verse five, uh -huh. it says. Amen. Amen. I'm there. They were divided by lot, one sort with another, for the governors of the sanctuary and the governors of the house of God were the sons of Eleazar and the sons of Ithamar. Well, 12, does anybody remember what the number 12 is for? Well, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 is pretty prominent. 12 is, is the, the number for governance, perfect governance. Okay. So in chapter 24, kind of gives us a clue to that when they were talking about the governors 
the governors of the sanctuary, the governors of the house. And then in 25, like um, Abele said, that they, they gave them each some order and structure and the governance of each of those was a perfect governance. That's I, what that 12 is. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot there, you know, than just reading it. Yeah, nice to, um, to see just how a structure came into, into place, you know, compared to societies that had no structure, no leadership. Everyone just did what they wanted to do. Um, this is maybe the beginning of um, a government in the world. Well, I think we still use some of that today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the musicians, gatekeepers, and you had the military, mentioned the military divisions here. They mentioned uh, treasury, even treasuries and other duties. And then leaders of different tribes. Um, and state of order. Yes. Yeah. And then, then Solomon then built the temple, uh, 28. Um, and then that's it. I think uh, David closed. It was a summary, really, of how I think we got more details here of how David called the people, or like in Kings. Just we just said um, David called people and told them that I'm handing over to Solomon. Here, I think he went into a bit more details about how he called the people and how he told them how God told him that Solomon will be the king, and you know. And all of that, and that you know, Solomon will build his house. So it, that's that's what it really talked about. Uh, Twenty eight. Um, I think David was very old at this point, and his you know final words, I guess, to the people. And I think in chapter twenty nine, that they really, um, you know, that David. What struck out to me was that even though David knew that he was not going to be the one to build the temple, that he made sure that there was money there yes. and gold and silver, uh, stone, marble, cedar, all the materials necessary to build the temple so yes. that he left that everything ready, not just the government, mm -hmm. the governance, um, the structure, the roles that everybody would play, but also the provisions that would be needed to build the temple. Yeah, you know, that, that really shows you how the importance of continuity, you know? So he, he put a structure in place that, that made Solomon's reign very smooth. As opposed to, maybe this is why you find organized societies like mine, you know, no matter the leadership that comes in, no, it's, it's just the same story. Because until that structure is there, um then you cannot have an a good you cannot have a, a peaceful reign of the subsequent leaders you cannot have peace you cannot have an organized society for someone to inherit and then continue so i think this is uh this is this this says a lot about how this applies in you know generation after generation is the same thing nothing changes you need structure. You need, you need, 
you need a, you know you need leaders that consult God and you know worship you know serve God and not serve you know earthly things to have a to have a peaceful society and it's if we apply this to ourselves as individuals we need focus on God to serve God um, our body is like is like the temple we have to you have to have a structured an organized life, um, but then that would help us to be able to manage ourselves, I guess, and have a focus on what we need to achieve and have peace. Yeah, I think that, um, I think it was in, maybe it was in chapter, I don't remember which chapter, but I think it was in chapter 24 when they were talking about um, how he set up the different chiefs that would be in charge of that. So he looked at the whole nation of Israel and kind yeah. of broke it down into chiefs and mm. who was so that um, there was leadership and there was some control. So it wasn't just some king sitting in some far distant city. Exactly. There would be some shared rulership. thousands of years that it's no wonder that today that there's a lot of chaos because the people are not in their their normal yeah. government that they should be in the, the right says here the, the right people to manage the right you know give them the right responsibilities you know the musician the military the treasury the right people in the right to have an organized society that works that's not what you have in societies that don't, that don't work. And it's like um, having, as, as individuals, not using your talents in the right place. You know, if, you're, if your talent maybe was supposed to be, you were supposed to be, um, for example, a preacher maybe, and then you find yourself um, trying to be a, a musician somewhere and spending your whole life chasing after uh you know talents that god hasn't really given you i guess it will something be something similar like that um so it's just managing managing your life having a structure having an organized society and using the different members of your body to to dedicate to you know the service of god just as, just as um, we had here with uh, David, using different, you know, allocating different members to serving the God, to serving um, God in the tabernacle, the Levites, the uh, the priests, like that, the musicians, the porter, the gatekeepers. Didn't seem to be any fighting over over these appointments. No, no, no. They're not like what you have today. Exactly. There was no fighting. Exactly. 
And you wouldn't say the Israelites were exactly people who were not rebellious by nature. They were quite rebellious, but they didn't fight over this. That war, at least they probably didn't record that there was any fights about any of these allocations. No. No. That's interesting. Exactly. Any closing thoughts anybody has on this? No, that's my, my closing thoughts for me. <laughs> We're going to continue with Second Chronicles will be our, our lesson for next week. Yeah. And like I said, the focus of Second Chronicles is going to be on the kings in Judah, because we already looked at the kings in Israel that came after David, that mm. we'll look at... Um, the end of David's reign, the beginning of Solomon's reign, and then um, we'll look at all of the kings that succeeded Solomon in Judah. That's what Second Chronicles will focus on. Yeah. So we're looking at the character and the failings, you know, what happened. So Liz, any closing remarks? Nope. Okay, mom? No. Okay. So I solicit your prayers. I solicit your support. Okay, I want to thank you for your time. For those of you who have been faithful, you know, uh, supporting this work, for being involved, sharing these videos. Okay? Don't be, don't, don't, don't get weary. Don't be weary. Don't get tired. Your strength is supposed to come brighter and brighter every day. Okay? Keep pressing on. Share these videos with your family and friends. Start watch parties on Facebook, go over this video so your friends and family can discuss it. Okay? And continue to write us. Write me through Facebook, write me through you know, the, the comment section here on YouTube. Okay? So I want to encourage you. Thank you so much for the way you've been supporting us. Thank you so much for all that you've been doing. We really appreciate it. Remember what I said if you want to continue listening to us, you can order, you can always go. Okay? To our website, you can see the online menu channels. That you can get us through, like I mentioned, um, Apple's iTunes, I met Apple iTunes, I mentioned um, Spotify, and I think Google. You can also, you know, there are other platforms also through which you can hear us through audio. Okay, I want to encourage you to subscribe to our channel and to, you know, hit the like buttons, hit the like buttons. I can't say that enough. Every time you want these videos through YouTube, hit the like buttons. Now, if you're watching through Facebook, or you're watching through some of the videos like WhatsApp, it's not going to show here, so you won't even see a like. But if you're watching through YouTube, I want to encourage you, or Facebook, wherever it is, I want to encourage you, hit that like button, okay? Hit that like button, it matters to us, okay? Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for everything that you've been doing, you know, by watching our videos. 